0: The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence.
1: I am your host, Rachel McDonald. I'm a registered nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Dr. Tamara Lewis is a private practice urologist at Comprehensive Urologic Care in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. Dr. Lewis received her BA in biology from Luther College in 1994, and she obtained her medical doctorate in 1999 from the University of Iowa College of Medicine. In 2005, Dr. Lewis completed her surgical and urology residencies at the University of Nebraska, and then went on to complete a fellowship in female urology and voiding dysfunction at Metro Urology in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. She was among the first group of urologists to receive board certifications in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. Dr. Lewis's professional interests Include management of incontinence, voiding dysfunction, bladder prolapse, and urinary tract infections. She is a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, member of the American Urological Association, the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine and Urogenital Reconstruction, the Society of Women in Urology, and the Large Urology Group Practice Association. She is past president. Of the Chicago Urologic Society. Dr. Lewis has been an invited speaker or presenter for numerous events on topics including overactive bladder, hematuria, contemporary management of urinary tract infections, and women in urology. To set the foundation for our discussion today, could you please explain the term UTI or urinary tract infection? So urinary
0: tract infection has two parts. There's the presence of bacteria in the urine, and there's also a symptom uh, associated to that presence of bacteria. So if you have bacteria in the urine without symptoms, we actually don't call that an infection. We call that asymptomatic bacteriuria, which is actually fairly common in the female population. But it's also possible that there are symptoms related to the urinary tract that aren't related to the presence of bacteria, and it's important to make that distinction walk us through your interest in this area. So my interest in urinary tract infections, which is a very common problem that we see in urology, uh, stemmed from a talk I gave a couple of years ago where I was trying to look for an expert in urinary tract infections and looking for literature. And I just realized there wasn't a lot out there and there really didn't seem to be Um, a structured plan for evaluating and managing urinary tract infections. So I kind of came up with my own evaluation. I did a lot of research in that area, learned a lot of interesting things, and it's changed um,
1: how I evaluate and manage urinary tract infections. How has this impacted your approach to the evaluation and treatment for urinary tract infections?
0: Well, usually I get involved in the management of urinary tract infections for patients who have recurrent urinary tract infections, and we define that as two over a six-month period or three over a year. So I like to start by doing an evaluation of the structure and function of the urinary tract. So in terms of looking at the structure of the urinary tract, Is there anything in the kidneys and the bladder that would lead a patient to be susceptible to urinary tract infections? So I'll usually do imaging of the upper urinary tract, a renal ultrasound, or a CAT scan to look for stones or any sort of obstruction or blockage in the kidney. I also do a cystoscopy on most patients, and that's to evaluate for anything in the bladder itself that could be contributing. A stone, a lesion, a pocket off the bladder, that could be a functional reason for infections. And then I do think that an evaluation of patients' intake and bladder habits are important from a very simple perspective to wash out the bladder. You need to drink enough fluid, and you need to empty your bladder on a regular basis. And I find that Um, If someone is deficient in either one of those areas, they may be more prone to urinary tract infections. So I have patients keep track of what their intake is, what it is, and the timing, and how often they empty their bladder and how much their bladder holds. That will provide a lot of helpful information. Then we shift focus to prevention of urinary tract infections. There are a lot of reasons that women, um, specifically postmenopausal women, may be prone to urinary tract infections, and we really focus on boosting a patient's host defense towards infections so some of the things that we would talk about is fluid management sometimes timed voiding um, if someone's not emptying the bladder completely um, we need to evaluate and come up with a strategy for that whether that's with some exercises or sometimes even catheterization to empty the bladder um, I talk a lot about people's bowel habits because where do the bacteria that cause infections come from? They come from next door, which is the GI tract. So um, constipation or loose stools can make a person more susceptible to infections. In addition, if you've had a number of infections and you've been treated with a number of bacteria, that changes the flora in your GI tract and that can make you more susceptible to more difficult to treat infections. So maintaining a healthy bowel regimen with probiotics and adequate fiber intake, um, gentle laxatives such as Muralax as um, needed, and sometimes even a, a focused GI evaluation can be beneficial. Um, for the postmenopausal women, one of the big reasons that uh, they are more prone to infections is the environmental changes that happen in the vagina, which is right next to the opening of the bladder. So, if there is some dryness or atrophic type symptoms, considering uh, the use of vaginal estrogen, there are several different forms that you can use uh, for that, and I find that to be very helpful in prevention. There's also a lot of research on anti-adhesion agents that help with urinary tract infection prevention. The most commonly um, recognized one would be a cranberry-type supplement. And I think this is one of the interesting areas of research. It's actually not the cranberry, but it's an extract in cranberry called PAC or proanthrocyanidin is the long name for it. But what that does is that impacts the bacteria's ability to stick to the wall of the bladder. And that's actually the first step in an infection. It's not just the presence of bacteria, that's asymptomatic bacteriuria, but it's the interaction between the bacteria and the patient, which is the wall of the bladder, that starts the infection cascade. So if you can prevent that adhesion, the bacteria just washed out and no infection, but to get an appropriate level of this PAC, you really need a high level supplement. And so if you're looking at starting a cranberry type supplement, it's important to look for one that has 36 milligrams of PAC or PAC uh, for it to be um, uh, effective.
1: Could you speak a little bit about antimicrobial
0: stewardship? I'm glad you asked that question. One of the things that led me to develop this interest in urinary tract infections is is the concern about the overuse of antibiotics in terms of treatment. Over the past years, we've had bacteria that are becoming more and more and more resistant, And at the same time, we're not developing any new antibiotics. And so it's really up to us to come up with a better strategy for using antibiotics. For example, one of the um, strategies that's been used a lot in the past is putting patients on low-dose or suppressive antibiotics. I don't think we clearly understand what the long-term implications of that are, both for the patient and for the community at large. So I think it's important to really look at what's structurally and functionally leading someone to have infections, and then um, to take a big look at what are the non-antibiotic prevention strategies that we can utilize first.
1: Well, in closing for today, where do you see the evaluation and treatment of urinary tract infections going in the future? I think it's a fascinating
0: area of research. Um, I think we're, we're learning that urine is not really sterile, um, so that's changing um, that whole idea. There is a microbiome um, and it's not the presence or absence of bacteria that's important. It's probably the diversity or lack of diversity of bacteria that's important. And then when you put that up against a patient or a body's host defenses, it's that interplay that can lead to the development of symptoms. The tools that we have to evaluate urine and the presence or absence of bacteria in the urine are changing. We have better diagnostic tools now, but with better diagnostic tools, then we also have to ask the question, if we know that there are going to be bacteria there, what's clinically relevant? And um, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, progress on that in the future. But it's up to really us as clinicians to do a good job of managing
1: infections
0: appropriately.
1: Thank you so much for this wonderful discussion today. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us
1: professional.